0: Welcome to the rainy summer edition of Sunday Night Bible Study. If you will, go to your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10. All right, so tonight, we, as we're looking at the series Unmasked in 2 Corinthians, we now come to the section in 2 Corinthians where Paul is now going to talk to his opponents. And he's going to address the area of leadership Because his opponents think they're better leaders than he is. So he's going to tackle that a little bit here tonight. So we're looking at unmasked leadership. What is unmasked leadership? What is masked leadership? Why does it matter if a leader is masked or unmasked? Those sorts of issues and questions await us tonight. So buckle up, let's go. However, with that said, tonight is not just for leaders. Tonight is also for followers. Followers. Or to put another way, tonight is not just for influencers, it's also for the influenced. This is across the board, in other words. This is for everybody. We all need to know, A, how to lead, and B, how to follow the right leaders, lest we submit ourselves to leaders that are not of God. And all of us, believe it or not, perhaps have areas of leadership we were not even aware of. A leader is not always a CEO, not always a principal, not always a conference center director, not always a president, not always a pastor. A leader can be someone who is influencing people around them. And that can be a parent, that is a school teacher, that is, you can even be an influencer here at the dinner table right now where you're sitting. Everywhere you go, you have the opportunity to influence. Influence and influenza, incidentally, are very similar words and as one is spread, so can the other. Amen? So, this is for all of us, not just leaders, but we're going to see the big guns shoot at each other tonight. (laughs) So, let's begin. Um, Let's go uh, to... Well, you guys are in 2 Corinthians. I need to get there. And um, what you'll see is this. So, let's talk first about unmasked leadership. What does it look like? And then masked leadership. And if you recall... The idea of a mask is simply we put up fronts, we put up things to wear to make ourselves look better or to protect ourselves from people seeing or knowing who we really are. And so an unmasked leader is somebody who leads simply with who they are. And a masked leader is somebody who has to become, be out of some insecurity, uh, has to feel like they have to become more than they really are. And they're leading with a front or with a mask. So unmasked leadership. Let's look at chapter 10 verse eight. Paul says this, for even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave us for building up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. So Paul is talking again to his opponents Who have slithered in and taken a large portion of his church and said that Paul is useless. He's not a good leader. Don't follow him. Paul is now in dialogue with them through this letter. And he's letting his old congregants know, hey, um, I want my job as your pastor, as your leader, back and one of the things that he addresses now, as he's been going through this, he's telling them, hey, I have authority as an apostle. I am of Christ. I w- you guys are saved under my watch. I'm your pastor. And so he's been telling them these things. And he says, even if I'm boasting and even if you think I'm boasting too much, I want you to know that I'm simply letting my authority fly. Not to destroy you. I'm not trying to be some bully and some boss and just, well, I've got authority. Listen to me. I am doing all this. I'm trying to reconcile myself with you for the sake of building you up. That's what I'm here for. And as Paul has unmasked himself and shown some of his weaknesses with the Corinthians throughout the letter. He's saying that I've been doing that to build you up. My unmasked leadership is for the sake of using the authority given to me by God for bringing you guys to a better place, growing you guys up in Christ. And so unmasked leadership works through a sense of security. An unmasked leader cannot take the mask off unless he knows who he or she is in Christ and leads from there. If we lead from our own um, human, our own fallen human strengths and weaknesses, there's going to be a ton of insecurity. And as Paul said at the beginning of 2 Corinthians, who's sufficient for these things? And the answer should be no. Everybody should feel insufficient of leading people. Yet we find security because of who he has made us in Christ. And he's saying, hey, I'm leading in a position of grace. I know what God has done for me. And I know, yes, I have some failures, but I also know, as he said, I'm a jar that's made out of clay. And in this weakness, God's light is shining and his strength is coming through me. That's why I'm a qualified leader. It's because I know I have weaknesses, but I'm planning myself firmly, not in my abilities, but in his abilities. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's letting him know, I have been an unmasked leader. Uh, My security is in Christ. Therefore, I am going to boast about my authority so that I can build you up. Paul gets his tips from Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, the disciples have been following Jesus to Jerusalem, and they don't quite understand what Jesus is about. He's a leader. We're following him. And they think that he's going to Jerusalem to do some serious cleaning house. But Jesus wants them to know that it isn't the way they think The leaders that they know are going to go in there and draw swords and bring up armies and raise a big, bloody result. But Jesus wants them to know on their way to Jerusalem, that's not the way I lead. I'm not, I don't lead conventionally. I don't lead the the way the rest of the world tells you to. I'm an unmasked leader. And he gives them this lesson right after James and John (laughs) asked for permission to be his right and left-hand advisors in the kingdom of God, <laughs> um, Jesus tells them this in, uh, in Mark ten forty two. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them, but it shall not be so among you. You're not going to amass power and wealth and lord it and boss it over other people. No, rather whoever would be great among you must be your servant and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all for even i jesus the son of man came not to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many and that's what paul does hey Hey, you guys might think I'm boasting about my authority, but I just simply want you to know that the authority I'm carrying is Jesus style authority. It's unmasked leadership. It isn't this. I'm a big bad dude and you got to do what I say and I need, you know, try to make myself look better and feel better. No, Paul takes it off like Jesus says, I'm here to serve. What can I do for you? And because of this mentality, the Corinthians and their super, we want to be the best city in the Roman Empire, and we want to be the best self-made people in the Roman Empire. Like, Paul's ridiculous. He doesn't want to even take money from us. He makes tents with his hands. Can you believe that? What a lower-class job. And Paul wants to serve us? Psh, we don't like leaders like we like these leaders. The ones that have taken the congregation. Remember, we've been calling them, as Paul does, the super apostles. They come in with their capes. We're here. And ooh, and can, Paul, can, Paul, can Paul walk on water? Didn't think so. And so they go on, ooh and ah them. And Paul, though, he's going to stick to his guns and he's going to lead Jesus style. That's what unmasked leadership looks like. It is not afraid of people respecting some great authority and power. It's about helping people become more. It's about serving them. It's about, like he said in chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, it's about building them up. That's what unmasked leadership looks like. Masked leadership, however, looks very ugly sometimes. And in the same verse, I hope you have kept your finger there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm sorry, chapter 10. In verse 8, you see the other side, right? Paul said, For even if I boast a little too much for our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed. So there Paul tells us what a masked leader would look like. I've got authority and he's using this authority to destroy the people he's leading. He may not know that or that may not be his goal, but because of a deeply set insecurity in his life, he has to put on a mask so that people don't see this need, this ache, this hurt, this I feel unworthy. The mask goes on and authority and power and strength comes on the mask so that people, ooh, he's somebody. He's respectable. Ooh, look at him flex those, look at the cape as it waves in the breeze. I think he can fly and the leader will do all he can to make people believe these things about him. Heaven forbid they find out that there's a crack in my armor. And so this mentality leads to destruction as paul compares i'm not a destroyer i'm a builder i'm secure in christ but these super apostles he doesn't actually call them out yet but you know who's in his mind they're actually destroying you guys and you know what i've learned in my limited experience compared to the mass and accumulated experience in this room um I've learned that there are some leaders that I've seen in my life that have come and go that are extremely insecure people and they lead out of that insecurity and it is never a good thing. They're people that need love. They feel unworthy. They need a sense of worth. They need validation. And so what they do is they lead. They put themselves in these positions to get love, to get validation, to get a sense of worth. If I just sit over here, I feel like I'm a nobody and I'm worthless. If I do this and lead people, people make me feel good. I have fans. Woo! I feel loved. I feel amazing. And people want to be like me and get my hairstyle. And that's a math leader. (laughs) that's a masked leader and that happens when they lead out of a sense of insecurity and because of their great need rather than giving the people they're leading the things they need they're using the people to get a better feeling and sense of worth about themselves and like i said they may not be in this for the goal of destroying but as a result of leading this way it leads toward destruction not towards being built up An unmasked leader, out of the wealth of what he gets from God, is able to give to his people and build them up. But a masked leader, out of the insecurity of who he is, is always taking. And that's the difference. It may take a long time to see the difference. It may be subtle. But in the long run, the unmasked leader is the Jesus style, and the masked leader is the insecure human who wants to feel better about himself by being a leader. And that's what Paul's contrasting here. And so... If you, um, I, I, I use Jesus to tell you about the unmasked leader. Now I'm going to tell you, use Jesus again to tell you about masked leaders, and this is from John 10, verse 10. Who is he talking to? Well, the leaders he struggled with. Paul has his struggles with these leaders, right? Jesus had his own. We called them Pharisees. By the way, this, I'm going off a little bit here. Um, Pharisees are always called hypocrites by Jesus. And a hypocrite in the Greek is um, two words which were used for mask wearers, literally mask wearers, hypos and kritis, where the masks you wear a happy face and a sad face in the Greek theater. And you'd w- w- put one over your face to be one part. You put the other one over your face to be the next part. And that's where the word hypocrite came from. And Jesus had his own uh, masked leaders to deal with, and he just called them what they are. We call It's translated Pharisees, but you could just say masked leaders is what he called them all the time. And they're the Pharisees. And this is what he has to say in John 10.10. 10. He says, The thief... Now, he's, that's, the, that's the religious leaders. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And that is where we see Jesus showing us that there are mass leaders, and what do they do? They're thieves. They come in to seek, uh, to kill and destroy. So because of their insecurity, that's why they're thieves. They need stuff from their people. You know, a constant pat on the back and, oh, you're so great. What would we do without you? And Yeah. All right. Enough with that. So you guys have the contrast before you. Now let's enter into what's happening in our chapters. And what is going on is we have a big masquerade party. We have a bunch of people wearing masks, patting each other on the back, saying how great they are. And who's hosting this party? Would you believe it? It's the super apostles. So to remind you guys about these super apostles and who they are, let's look at a few verses and go into it. So, 11 verse 5, you're going to see our super apostles. Chapter 11 verse 5. Indeed, Paul says, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. So, here he just full on brings them onto the wrestling mass and Says, I am not inferior to these cape wearers, mask wearers, supermen, skinny tights, costume people. I am not inferior to them. And there he uses, rather sarcastically, super apostles. Paul is an apostle, right? Apparently, I'm less than they are, so they must be super apostles. So that's his term for them, and he's rather sarcastic with that. Now, the super apostles think they're super, because what they do is they came into Corinth as Paul is gone, and they have resumes, impressive resumes. And so they're like, hey, um we are condoned by these people and we've accomplished this. And this is, um, notice our Cape. <laughs> it's, I don't know why I keep thinking of super apostles. Um, they just come in and they have these massive resumes and like, Ooh, Paul never showed us his, we don't even know where Paul came from. What is this? And so, um, that's one thing that they did. We saw that in chapter three, verse one, Paul mentions the fact of, uh, do I really need a letter to recommend myself to you? Um, hello, you know me, <laughs> so they were doing that they 're coming in with impressive resumes. Uh, second, they were coming in with a charismatic personality, this attractive chariz- charisma, this magnetic personality, and people were very uh, much seeing them and saying, "Well, what does Paul have So in second Corinthians ten verse ten, you see this um, He says, Paul says, for they, the super apostles, they say, Paul's letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily appearance is weak and his speech of no account. So there they come in and like, don't be fooled by Paul's letters. Okay, sure. He can write pretty, but look at the man. He's short. He's short tempered. He's a little grouchy at times. He surely doesn't know how to dress with the times. He's got matted, mangly hair. He works with tents. So he always smells like dead animal skin. He, you know, they go on and on and on. And they're, you know, in their capes and suits and they're in their best um, fashions. And does Paul have the personal appearance that we have? And we all know um, that people can be, people have this ability, some of them, this charisma that like, ooh, I just want to, I feel better just being around them. (laughs) I want to be seen with you at Starbucks. (laughs) Did you see Joe sitting with a super apostle? He must be really special. And then third, it was their speech. So go to 11 verse 6. The super apostles apparently spoke better than Paul. So Paul says in 11:6 even if I am unskilled in speaking see that's what they're saying he can't speak like we can he says um we don't even if I'm unskilled in speaking I am not so in knowledge so Paul of course there has to say hey I still got my abilities they may not be as desirous as you want them to be, but they're there. Now, do you remember Corinthians was a city which was crazy about public speaking? They had public speaking competitions and people were valued by how well they spoke. And, and public speakers would go through the streets. Remember, in 1 Corinthians, we called them pop preachers because like pop music, it's just all about being catchy. It doesn't necessarily last a long time, but be catchy. Get the followers. Get the money. That's what they do. They go on the streets, they do their little sermon thing, their little philosophy thing, and they would try to outdo one another in followers. So it was it'd be kind of like an old fashioned Twitter account or something, where they're just simply trying to get the most likes and the most follows and the most retweets possible, and they're always trying to outdo one another. And Paul, remember in First Corinthians how he begins the book saying, What is up with all these factions and about Paul and Jesus and Peter and and Apollos being the best teachers? Like, what is this? The church got caught up in the same cultural atmosphere and the pastors began to do that. So you think you can preach? Well, watch me. Well, I've got a bigger church and that thing was going on. And so the super apostles really get the sense of the culture and they're like, we know how to be attractional in our approach here so they come in and they do what the culture wants and they're like yeah they speak better than paul poor paul now that's not to say paul was not a good speaker he may have been just simply out of humility saying even if i can't speak well but probably more to the point is that um in the style in the times a lot of speaking was your gestures and there were certain things you're supposed to do is very detailed um Paul, being a Jew, didn't get a head start like some of these other people might have in their training. So he may not have had the right gestures is all. He might have, you know, did a Chuck Smith or something, just locked and loaded, (laughs) ready to go. (laughs) Um, That could be maybe what their critique was. Like, Paul just doesn't know how to do it. So um, I'm not saying Chuck didn't know how to do it. That's not my comparison at all. Um, Gosh, I'm going to get emails now. Okay, so... So those are the super apostles. They come in and they wreak havoc for Paul. Now, what Paul's going to say though, is they come in as these masked leaders and that's how they got you guys to follow them. I'm just Paul being myself, this weak vessel that Christ is using. And they come in with their capes and their super tight tights and their masks and they follow us and like, yeah, follow them. And so Paul has to point out now, listen, you guys have all fallen for it. It's a masquerade party and you were all invited and you said, cool. You can come if you want, Paul, but we're going here now. And so they all have this masquerade party, and they're all patting each other. We're the best church in the Roman Empire. Paul could never plant one like this. And they're patting each other on the back. That's the kind of thing that's going on. Now, what Paul's going to do, though, is he's going to show us, hey, you see them over there? It's just a masquerade. Watch this. So look at 11, verse 13. 11, verse 13. He says to them, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves or transforming themselves as apostles of Christ. See, it's just a masquerade. They're just there's playing the part. They're wearing masks. And no wonder for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Remember, he said that they're working destruction. Their end will correspond to their deeds. And there's this very subtle comparison. Well, hmm, so you guys fell for these leaders who can transform themselves and appear to be something that they're not. Satan does the same thing. (laughs) He compares them to servants of Satan, not servants of Christ. And because if Christ is an unmasked leader and they're masked leaders and Satan can put the mask on and deceive people. Well, let's do the math. What side of the fence do they fall on? Then he he points out this in 11 verse 19. 11, 19 for you gladly bear with fools. Now, Paul's going to be very cheeky here. You gladly bear with fools being wise yourselves for you bear it. If someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face to my shame, I say, we are not too weak for that. <laughs> we, we were, uh, I'm sorry, we were too weak for that. Well, Paul's, you guys are so wise. So you're so wise. You hung out with fools and you allowed yourselves to be abused, slapped around and, and, uh, you fell for their heirs, their false fronts you were deceived. You're so wise. And you just went along with the fools. You played the fool with your leaders. That's what Paul's saying. And he's like, man, apparently I was too weak to follow those leaders. I just didn't have the right stuff. Apparently, though, in what he's saying here, it's suggesting that perhaps the destruction that a masked and insecure leader can bring upon its followers may have already been in motion. Because if if this is happening, he says. Um, someone makes slaves of you, devours you, takes advantage of you, puts on airs, strikes you in the face. This is abuse. This is. This is leadership abuse of the people that are following them Just taking advantage of them slapping them around and that's how paul sees it is you guys have played the fool and fallen for this and you follow them and they're just As you guys have heard the phrase they're just fleecing the flock They're Just taking advantage of you So now paul's shown what's actually happening these people these super apostles you've joined now Don't you see it's just a huge masquerade party? We actually have some real stuff to do as a church and you guys are just we all feel better about ourselves now So guess what paul does He joins the party Paul is going to enter into the masquerade, put on a mask, if you will, and show them what's up. And look, Paul can't do anything else. Remember, he's already written that one letter to them. And he's appealing and appealing and pleading to them. And he's he's realized, look, I have no options left. They don't hear me shouting and hollering over here. So I've got to go into this party. Obviously, I have to put a mask on so they don't know who I am. (laughs) I got to go into this masquerade and bring them out this is what we're going to see him do textually, okay? He doesn't like literally, you know, there's no masquerade, right? It's just he, he, in the letter, he's going to play the fool with them. He's going to act like one of the super apostles. Now, to point this out, um, there's a proverb. Proverbs 26, verse 5 actually tells you to do this. Proverbs 26, 5, you can jot it down or listen up or look at it. It says this. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So the Proverbs tell us that the way to reach a fool sometimes is to answer him by playing his game. Answer him according to his own folly. And so here are the super apostles, and they've got their resumes, and they've got their speech, and they've got their charisma, and they've got all this thing going for them. And Paul says, I can play that game too, and I will right now. And here are all the followers going, ooh, we like them. And Paul's like, well, watch this. (laughs) So Paul is going to answer them according to their own folly. He's going to play the masquerade game with them. And so that's why he says in 11 verse 1, as he enters into all this, he says i wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness i'm going to stoop to your level i'm going to speak your language so he's going to play the fool with them <laughs> now um of course we do ask you guys right to always read your chapters Before you come, because I don't have the capacity right now to give you guys every single verse. But this right here, the way he starts chapter 11 is really good. Really good stuff. And he compares them being deceived by the super apostles to Eve being deceived by the serpent in the garden. And um, so he talks about that. Then he goes into the super apostles and stuff. Uh, But now what what he says there is, hey, allow me to join the masquerade. So Paul's saying, I'm in. He joins. And what does he do? Oh, do they have resumes? I have one too. (laughs) Oh, do they have speech of superiority? Well, he's writing a letter. But uh, scholars who study these writings from, and they compare the New Testament writings to like all the ancient writings of the time, they say, this is superb. Paul knows what he's doing here. This is really good writing. Um, Paul's like, you guys have charisma? Well, watch me and my uh, letter charisma. (laughs) So here he goes. He's going to show off a little bit. In verse 16. Chapter 11, verse 16, I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, (laughs) accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. So again, he's, he's reminding them, I'm entering your party, here I come. When I am, verse 17, when I am saying with this boastful uh, what I am saying with this boastful confidence, I say not with the Lord's authority, but as a fool. In other words, I, I didn't learn how to talk like this from God. I learned how to talk like this from your leaders, these guys. So I'm going to play the fool like them. Verse 18 Since many boast according to the flesh, watch me boast. <laughs> I too will boast. Verse 19. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. I already read this to you, but we're going to go with it. For you bear it if someone makes you make slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we are too weak for that. So he's really kind of putting the situation in the light there. Well, you guys are kind of stupid. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I am speaking as a fool. Remember that I'm being the floor and I'm playing your masquerade game. I also dare boast of that. <clears throat> so here I go. <clears throat> Paul's resume. <laughs> Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am talking like a madman. He keeps reminding us. <laughs> I am being a masqueraded fool right now. <laughs> With far greater labors, far more imprisonments with countless beatings and often near death five times i received at the hands of the jews the 40 lashes less one three times i was beaten with rods once i was stoned three times i was shipwrecked a night and a day i was adrift at sea wow so after one of these shipwrecks he was floating on a log for a whole day and night hoping there aren't sharks On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardships, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things... There is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. And you are not least of them, Corinth. Who is weak and I am not weak. Who is made to fall and I am not indignant. Verse 30 is the key. And now he sounds a little bit more like Paul and not the fool. In fact, what you see is he's come into the masquerade, right? He's playing their game. He's got the mask on. He's boasting. And now all of a sudden, as they're all listening, they're like, yeah, we like this new guy. He takes the mask off, and to their horror, it's Paul. And he says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. So... What we actually begin to realize is Paul begins by boasting and then we're like, yeah, he's boasting, but about the wrong stuff. What kind of a leader walks in and says, hey, everyone hates me. They beat me. They throw me out of cities. I've been stoned. Nobody follows me. They try to kill me. I don't even know how to get on a boat without it sinking. I can barely swim. You know, like he's going through all these things and I'm always hungry. I have lots of needs. Who does this? Who boasts about this? So actually what Paul does is he plays their game, but never becomes their game. You see, he acts like he's going to boast, but he never actually boasts about himself. This is a man who's not boasting out of his insecurity. He's boasting out of his security. When we boast out of our insecurity, we try to make everything we do sound better than it actually really is or was. You know, the fish story, the one you caught eventually gets really big. That's how insecure storytellers tell their stories, right? Or just for the flair of telling a good story. (laughs) Um, Paul is not boasting in that manner. He's not trying to puff himself up. He's just simply trying to play their game, but he boasts about the wrong things. I almost did this. I thought it would have been cool, but I guess I kind of actually just honestly forgot. Um, Just like bring in a resume from the Calvary Chapel Conference Center and read a modernized version of Paul's struggles here in this resume of his and be like, can you guys believe someone actually tried to apply with this here. And they are like, yeah, who would hire somebody that gets arrested all the time? You know, and that's actually what all of our applications always say, have you committed a felony? You know, and that's like always the red flag. Uh, Paul's just up and in front about it. You know, everyone hated me and everyone's always after me. Yes, I've probably done some bad things that are illegal in the Roman empire. That's not the way to go about boasting. And this, as I said at the beginning, if you remember, Second Corinthians is Paul's resume. This is the climax of it. He is reapplying to his own church to be their pastor. Not because he has failed them, but because masked leaders have beguiled them, have led them away. And so his resume is very unorthodox. It's countercultural. It's not your conventional way of saying, hire me. And then, if they don't get it, the climax of his. humble boasting verse 31 the god and father of our lord jesus he who is blessed forever knows that i am not lying at damascus the governor under king eridas was guarding the city of damascus in order to seize me but i was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands what? <laughs> You're like, really? That's a good story, Paul. What, why are you telling us the story? And that's actually kind of seems random there at the end. It's just like, okay, so I'll boast about my weakness. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I remember being in Damascus. And this is in Acts 9, by the way, uh, when they all wanted to kill me and I escaped. And um, actually though, this is actually really, really, really cool. I learned this. I never knew this until this week. So when he begins by saying, hey, I am not lying, uh, what I say is before God the Father, he's setting you up for, in other words, this is a really extravagant boast. So understand, I'm not lying. We all do that, right? We're going to tell a story that nobody can believe. Like, I'm serious. I'm not lying when I tell you this. This is what he's doing. I promise before God Almighty that this story is true. And then he tells a story about wanting to be arrested and having to flee through a basket in the wall. Real 007 of you, Paul. Is that all he could come up with? And that's how he's boasting about this. You're like, what is... So actually, this is what's going on. Paul is being super ironic here. He's boasting. He's coming across as boasting, but he's actually demeaning himself. That's what he's doing. So how is he doing this? Well, uh, there was something in the Roman Empire called the wall crown the wall crown. And it was a crown that was um, sculpted to look like the walls of a city. So it had, you know, like your typical castle walls and it's got like the little tower in the middle. So this crown sits on your head looks like the walls of a city. And what had happened is Caesar would award the wall crown to a soldier who was the first to to go over the wall of an enemy city. So as the Roman Empire would be doing their campaigns and they'd come to a city that's rebelling, they would encamp around it, right? And then when they finally say the citizens inside are too weak and thirsty to fight, let's go get them. You've you've probably seen movies and stuff. They put the, the ladders up and they try, or the siege towers and other things, and they try to get over the wall, right? It's very, very, very risky. There are hundreds of people dying, be trying to get to, you know, a little ladder. How hard is it sitting on a wall with armor and protection in this wall to just kick the ladder over? Or to keep, you know, they, they do things to them to make them not come up the ladder. And how, it's a very risky venture. So the Roman Empire decided to award the highest award a soldier can earn to the person who was first over the wall. And that became known as the wall crown. In fact, in Corinth, there was a statue of a goddess, the goddess, the Lady Luck, that goddess, Tyche. Um, she was wearing... The wall crown so this is not an unknown concept anywhere in the empire let alone corinth and so paul here is telling his own wall crown story i was the first one over the wall the wrong way down and running That's what he's saying. (laughs) So as most Romans are boasting, I was the first. I ran to the city over the wall and I was brave. Paul's like, I was afraid. I went down the wall and ran away before anyone else so here i boast i am not kidding i'm not lying this is a true story i'm a coward i'm a weakling people want to get me and i just go and i'm saying god help me every day he's taking the wall crown and he's turning it upside down and he's saying that's me i'm the dunce (laughs) this is your pastor paul speaking and he did this in the middle of a masquerade masquerading as a boaster isn't that great doesn't paul know what he's doing i think that's just ingenious So that's what he's up to. Now, I thought that we should zero in a little bit now, uh, finish with looking at what the masquerade looks like around us. Are we in one? How do you know you're in one? Can you trust the people you follow? Can you identify a masked leader or an unmasked leader? So let's now join Paul, enter into the masquerade, and let's unmask the masquerade. Let's see what lies behind the mask. Okay? So what you'll find is, number one, popularity drives masked leaders. Popularity drives this masquerade. And often, the popularity comes at the expense of people. You'll see leaders who are about promoting themselves, getting more followers, getting a bigger fan base, getting their name known. And unfortunately, the people that they're serving get used in the process. They aren't to serve leaders. They're, they aren't to serve their people. They're using their people to get more followers. And so people become numbers, something to add up, something to say, I'm really cool. Or they become pawns in a game in which to serve themselves. Um, Often a leader that is wearing this kind of mask, they will justify the uh, means for the end or the end justifies the means, right? They will do things, and people question it, like, yeah, but look what's going to happen. And they're like, oh, yeah, that is a greater good. And so they they compromise often. Popularity drives a masked leader, number one. Number two, when you unmask the masquerade, you find exclusivity, or just exclusive. These leaders are exclusive. Um, often, you know, they have their little ring their inner ring that you got to be a lucky person to get into this inner ring and so they surround themselves with people that pat them on the back and and what they do also is they talk about a culture the people they lead they develop a culture of us versus them we've got it right we got the proper way of doing things we're the best they've got it wrong and there's this separation this elitist mentality and what happens is if you happen to not fit in with this vision or with the leader's ideal of what it is to be one of his people, um, you get ridiculed or you're dehumanized. And so they talk um, very harshly about other people or about other organizations or ministries or leaders. Uh, it's very, It gets competitive, so they're exclusive, and it's a very outsider versus insider kind of thing. Um, when you unmask the masquerade you find third you find that control is more valued than cultivation control is what you find and when i say more value than cultivation is because that's what a leader should do is that we should be cultivating the people we lead and you under your leader you should be cultivated not controlled all right, a mass leader is looking to control people. And so you'll often hear language like you must do rather than I suggest you do. This would be your best interest. Uh, so they try to just, um, they, they don't want you to have enough liberty. They deny the priesthood of all believers right men uh, thursday morning we we looked at that right that the church is a uh it's a royal priesthood and we're all priests on behalf of god's presence and that believers and pastor mike said this after too after that study and uh, he says this all the time player like look if somebody wants to be baptized and you led them to christ you baptize them the bible says that you as a christian you are part of a royal priesthood you can do this this isn't for the big guns i mean you guys, you know I had to go to school to learn to put someone under the water and out. I had to go to school so that God could hear me when I pray for them. Lord, this baptism, let it mean something. Seriously? School did that, right? Nope, no. Believers have the power given to them by God, right? To look, we can explore, we can learn, we we can cultivate each other. We can lead each other. So masked leaders are about control and stifling and limiting knowledge and things that people can do. They want to make sure that they're always manageable. And often what comes with this is legalism because legalism makes everybody look the same. And when everybody's the same, they're so much easier to control. Fourth, when you unmask the masquerade, you find authority issues. Now, authority is not a bad thing. Authority needs to exist for control. Well, in context, that's a bad word, isn't it? Authority needs to exist so that chaos doesn't erupt. Um, but this is a miscued view of authority. This is authority without accountability. So rather than having people always checking and giving you a balance of what kind of decisions you're making as a leader, you surround yourself with people that are always saying yes, always got your back, always saying no matter what you do, go, go, rah, rah. Authority can be misused if it's outside of the bubble of the safety of accountability. Now, accountability is close friends, but accountability can also be the people that you're leading. And, and with that means sometimes they're going to see something like, Hey, wait, a, I, I don't know. They're going to ask questions leader, Like, right. They're going to come up to them like, Hey, um, I'm not so sure that this is a good decision. Now, how the authoritative leader reacts to the question will tell you a lot. If he's an accountable leader, he's going to listen to you because he sees you as a form of accountability. Wait a minute. Someone's questioning what I'm doing. Maybe I should be questioning it. But a leader who does not want accountability and wants authority is going to hear this question as a threat. It's going to be an act of rebellion. And so the leader is going to question your questioning. Why are you asking me? You don't trust me. You're a rebel. You're a spy from them or something. Um, that's what happens. So leaders need to be accessible. That's part of what an accountable authority has is it's an accessibility. Um, we need to have an unmasked leader. You can come up to them. They're not going to try to dodge your questions. They're not going to be vague. They're just going, that's what an unmasked person does, right? The, you have a question? Here's the answer. Not this hiding. Like, well, uh, well, were you threatening me with that javelin? Don't throw it. You know, that. and you, yeah, okay. So when you unmask the masquerade, you find popularity is the motive. They're very exclusive. They have an unhealthy desire for control, There's an unbalanced authority. And then fifth and finally, they lead with guilt, not grace. They lead with guilt, not grace. And this is so popular. This is so common. Um, Getting my feet wet as a school teacher for Miss Linda Huffman, um... You see this, it's a very tempting motive in the classroom, control the students with guilt, you know? And sometimes grades are kind of like that, you know? Like, if you don't do this, you get an F and you'll be a failure. It's like, no, that's leading with guilt. <laughs> we want to lead with grace. And leaders who are masked, there's no grace in the way they lead. It's always never enough. You, you are not attending enough Bible studies or you're not showing up on Sunday regularly enough. Or you people aren't serving enough. We had this going on and five of you showed up. Five! You know, and it's always this guilt being put on it. Like, oh, we're not, we're not doing enough for God. We're not enough. We're, we're worthless. And it's just always just trying to drive them. That's not grace. And I have to wonder if a mass leader who leads that way, if it's because they don't know grace themselves, And likely they're masked because they don't know grace. So there's this deep insecurity and then they have to make everybody else feel bad too. Or in more extreme versions, then you have, this is the extreme version of leading by guilt. You have the scarlet letter, right? The reference to um, the book by Nathaniel Hawthorne where I think, off the top of my head, I think it's Hester Prynne. All right. uh, yes, she has an affair with a minister who hides what he did, but she gets branded with an A, a big scarlet letter A. And look, there are people that we don't wear letters today anymore, thank God, but there are leaders that do this, right? We brand people, we, we say, look out for that, or they did this, or we use scarlet letters as a form of driving people into submission or getting them to do what the leader wants them to do. That's a graceless, guilt-driven leadership. So I think what we're invited to do through Paul here is we're invited to crash the masquerade. We're invited to be party crashers or party poopers. That is A-OK in this context. To move on in and say, ah, and no, (laughs) to be a masquerade crasher. Go ahead and crash that party. You don't have to join it. You're not alone in staying on the outside of it. But how am I going to crash it? You wonder, it's very simple. Do what Paul did at the climax of his resume. Go into the masquerade and turn your crown upside down. And then other people like, is everybody else wearing a costume too? Be like the Emperor Has No Clothes by Hans Christian Andersen. You don't know that story. It's so great. Some swindlers convince an emperor that they have the best fabric and all that all money can buy. And this emperor was a very fashionable man he wore the best clothes and he he was actually the sort of emperor that went into his wardrobe and changed at every mealtime of the day to just show off his newest so yeah you know people like that right <laughs> so he the little girl's usually so he is convinced that this special thread he's got to buy it and what do the swindlers tell him well this is what's so special about it it's lighter than a spider's web you won't even feel it it's smooth it moves with you and here's the best part of all, those who are unfit to rule in your kingdom cannot see these clothes. Ooh, <laughs> then I'll know who's fit and who's not. So he wants it. He, he, uh, orders. And so the, the, uh, swindlers are working on it. And so the emperor decides to send in some advisors to let me know how this status. is. I want to know everything about how it looks. So he sends his, um, his priest, his priest goes in, opens the door. The one is like, ah, oh, glad you can come and see this as they're spinning their wheels with no thread on them and sewing cloth with nothing there. And the priest goes, oh, my, I don't see anything. I am unfit to be a priest. This cannot be. So he. Oh, yes. Oh, the colors are magnificent. He fakes it. He plays along with it. And then he goes back and tells the king, "Oh, it's the most... You cannot believe it. Wait till you see it." And then the next day, the king sends in another person, his treasurer. The treasurer walks in. Oh my, I cannot see it. And the same thing goes back and fakes it. Oh, you should the, the texture. It's unbelievable. You're gonna look fabulous in it. And so, anyways, the day comes. They bring the garments to the emperor. The emperor gasps. Can it be? I'm not fit to be emperor i do not see the clothes and so but he has to pretend he has to pretend he's fit to be emperor he has to pretend he sees the clothes so he begins to undress he begins to let the swindlers put on the clothes on him and it's now time oh emperor to to uh, show off these great clothes to the rest of the empire magnificent the parade has already been arranged everybody's lining the streets to see the magnificent clothes the emperor begins to march out the train bearers is that we call them train bearers. i don't know they pick up the train of his garment pretend they feel it nothing's here but we got it everybody's faking and he walks out naked into the crowd and everyone applauds how beautiful the garments are until a little boy says dad he's naked And then it ends with, the story ends with everybody then beginning to change their minds. And it says that the emperor began to wonder if he really did have clothes on. And look, that's what we can do. That's the power of being a masquerade crasher, of turning your crown upside down. Not the wall crown. I was the first up the wall. More like, ah, I fell down the wall. Big deal. I know who I am in Christ, and I'm going to be an unmasked servant. That's how I'm going to lead. And as we do so, we may see people around us say, this is a masquerade, and take off their mask. That's the goal. We want the church to be full of genuine people, to show the world what a genuine human, saved by the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, lives like and looks like.